Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. All right. Good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. All right, good. We got to get hyped up because I know like the 11 o'clock service, you guys are a little more chill than the early service. I don't know why. You've had an extra hour and a half of sleep. All right, you've had more time to get your coffee, all that. So we got to get hyped up. So anyway, we got some great, great, great news we're going to hear this morning from the scripture. Uh, Great, hopeful, hope-filled message that God has revealed to us and is going to teach us this morning from his word. Hey, hey, if you're new, I'm Pastor Randall. I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here today at Lanier Hills Church. If you're watching online with us and, and tuning in, I've met people at the first service who said, I've been watching online for a long time and finally came. Listen, it's, it's scary walking into a place for the first time, and we understand that. But come on, check it out. And uh, there's nothing like being in the room, worshiping with people, raising your hands and just feeling it and, and just... Allowing God to move in the corporate body. So come and check it out. Come and worship with us. So um, anyway, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to be at John chapter 8 today. John chapter 8 in just a moment. By the way, I've got, I woke up this morning with this one ear like completely clogged up. So I'm hearing out half my head and everything sounds really funny. Don't you hate that? So I can't even tell what I'm saying. It's like echoing in my head. So if it sounds weird, um, Sorry. But anyway, so pray for that. But I'm glad to be back. Last week, I was on vacation with some family and got to get away. And we went, didn't go anywhere for a year and a half. And then we got to go someplace, two places in, in a month. So we feel very blessed to be able to get away and do that. Thank you, Dan, wherever Dan is. He's with the students. Thank you for Dan preaching and for everybody running everything. It's so great to be at a place where you can be gone for a week and thing just keeps smoothly running I feel very, very blessed. Well, we're doing a series going through the book of John called Come and See. Now, I know you may be like, well, how long are we going to be in this series? Well, we're going to be through the book. God put it on my heart for us to really just dig into this and get into the gospel, back to the basics of learning who Jesus is. And, and that's important because, um, because if, if we don't understand that, well, everything else doesn't really make sense. And what's interesting is since we've been talking about John, We've, um, we've already baptized just about half of in one month than we did all of last year, which is cool because we're just focusing on Jesus, helping people see Jesus and, and, and getting back to the basics of just who he is and what the message is. And we're going to see that today. And so I have a question for you, and I know that, what you're going to say already, but can you recall a moment when you thought, if people knew this about me, they'd never look at me the same way again? Can you recall a moment in your life like that? If people knew this thing about me, man, they would, they would just, they would cancel me. <laughs> they would not want to be in a relationship with me, a friendship with me. They'd not let me lead in my organization. My kids would never look at me the same way. You know, we all have those things, and maybe thinking about it right now brings back some, a little bit of fear, a little bit of, a little bit of doubt, because... I've got news for you. I know all of your secrets. Just joking. That's stupid, right? (laughs) You're like, what? Oh, no. That's really weird. But I remember when I used to hang out with pastors, I'm like, did they know what I'm thinking? 
<laughs> you ever feel like it? They have like some special connection with God and they can know what's going on. Listen, I don't. Maybe others do, but I don't. I know. Here's what I know. I'm just like you. I've got stuff in my closet too that I would be embarrassed for you to find out. In 50 years, I've got a lot of stuff, you know, and life. And before, you know, I really committed my life to Christ, I've got some things. And so to think about those things causes fear, shame, guilt. It causes my you know, maybe my little bit of sweat to break out, <laughs> a, little bit anxious, a little bit of anxiousness to think about those things. But we've all got those things in our life. And so, and I think it's because we feel some shame, we feel some guilt, but maybe the reason some of us are afraid to have those things exposed is because we live in a cancel culture where one thing, one thing, mistake can define you forever, we see it on the news. We see it in, in our people around us. We live in a cancel culture. Say the wrong thing. Do the wrong thing. You're done. They write you off. And listen, if you're a teenager and a young person, and you know this because you've got a phone you know, right there, all it takes is one thing for you to post or to make a mistake and say, and you just, you feel the heat of it. How many of you are grateful you did not re- uh, grow up with a cell phone? <laughs> because we probably wouldn't be with the people we're with today. <laughs> if half the stuff I did, they took, somebody took a picture of it and said, look where Randall was, I'd be in trouble. I probably would, you know, I mean, all of that. But, you know, we didn't have that. But young people, you do. So you have this fear of, like, everything being exposed. As a young adult, as somebody in their, early in their career, you know that one mistake can alter your career and your future forever. As a person, maybe midlife, you've been married, you got kids, and you know this, you've seen it with your friends and maybe even your own life, one bad decision, one moment of weakness, one moment of rebellion can cause you serious pain and cause people to write you off. Or maybe you're a senior adult and you've lived your whole life and you've worked hard for your legacy and you've worked hard for it and you've protected it. And you're afraid if one thing got out, (laughs) that whole legacy comes down. I've known friends, I've known pastors who've worked their whole life, retire from ministry with a great legacy only for things to come out exposing something, a mistake they made years before and it discredits them forever. Here's what I know. That's a terrible way to live. Cancel culture is unbearable. Anybody agree with that? One thing to ruin you, to, to be known for your worst moment that's a terrible way to live. And, and what we're going to see today, that Jesus never intended it that way. And here's what we all need. We all need a path to redemption. Everybody here, because we've got our stuff in our claws, and we've got stuff we're afraid of and ashamed of. And if you haven't yet, you, don't, you haven't lived long enough yet. We all need a path to Redemption. And we're going to see today that Jesus offers us that path to redemption as he deals with someone caught in sin. And here's the deal. What we're going to see is that what Jesus shows us is how to deal with the sin when we're caught in it, but also how to deal with others when we catch them in it, because that's where the cancel culture comes in. And we're going to see cancel culture was just as prevalent then as it is today, but even more drastic and more harmful. So we're going to take a moment. We're going to dig into that in John chapter 8. But before we do that, why don't we pray and let's humble ourselves before the Lord and ask him to speak to us today. So if you'll just close your eyes and maybe you've never prayed before, I dare you to pray this today. Pray, God, would you speak to me? 
God, would you give me ears to hear what your voice has to say to me? I want to hear your voice. God, would you show me what I need to see today about me, about you, about the world? Or would you open my mind to truth? Break off the deception of the enemy. Help me to understand the truth. And Lord, give me a teachable heart. A heart that can be changed. And I want to walk out of here different today. Treating people different. Being different. Loving you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So John 8 is where we're going to be. So last few weeks we've been walking through this, John, and, uh, and we saw where Jesus went up to the tabernacle to go and preach. And he went at his own timeline. We saw that a couple weeks ago. He was on God's timeline. And just when he went, it was when God told him, the Father told him to go. And he went and said what the Father wanted to say. And Dan preached about what he said last week. Now you've got a whole group of people who are kind of stirred up and he's confronted people. And now the night has set and, and next morning has come. Next morning, all the people who heard about Jesus and plus the ones who heard he was there and more, they all came to hear the great teacher, Jesus, and this guy who stirred up so much trouble in town. So they come and they're all, just imagine with me this, they're there, sun is coming up, there's some dew on the ground and the bright light shining off the limestone walls and they're all just kind of sitting around and Jesus comes and they're all getting ready to hear about Jesus and then you hear this shuffling of feet and a crowd coming and you look and you, and you hear people yelling and screaming and you hear dust, you see dust coming up and you see a crowd with a woman out in front of them and they're dragging her along. And here's what it says in John 8 and verse 3, it says, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, these religious leaders, brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, how humiliating. And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And you can imagine them pointing at her. And in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, let me give you a little history in Lamentations and Deuteronomy. This is pretty obvious. This is really clear. If someone's caught in adultery... You're supposed to stone them to death. I'm glad I didn't live during those times, right? I don't want to be stoning anybody to death. I don't want to be known for my worst moments, but that's what it was. And so they say, hey, Jesus, what do you say? If you're going to be a keeper of the law, and so what they're trying to do is trick him. They're trying to say, all right, does Jesus follow the law? Because if not, all these Jews are going to say he's a heretic. But also the Romans had a law that said the Jews were not allowed to put anyone to death. They could not execute on anybody. So if he said, well, kill her, now the Romans could come and capture him, and he'd say, look, he's a lawbreaker. So he's like, what's he going to do? But, so Jesus, being wise, did what? Look what it says. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Wouldn't you like to know what he drew? Did he doodle, and, you know? <laughs> what did he do in the sand? We don't know. When they kept on questioning him, He straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. So he didn't say kill her, didn't say let her go. He just said, pointed it back. Any of you that are sinless, you throw the first stone. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. 
At this, those who heard began to, to go away one at a time. The older ones first. Why do you think the older? Why do you think the older? Old people, what do you think? <laughs> That's us, right? You know why? Because you've lived longer and you know. You say, you've realized, hey, everybody's got some junk. The older ones first, old until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? That's, an, that's not a disrespectful thing. He's honoring her. Lady, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. And Jesus said, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. All right, so we're going to take, that's all we're going to read. Let's talk about it for a moment. So here's what we have. We have this beautiful story of a woman embarrassed and shamed, caught in sin. And when a crowd coming to accuse her, wanting to stone her death, but not just, they didn't have the right motive, right? Why were they there? To capture Jesus. So they didn't come with the right motive, and Jesus understands that, and he calls them out, and we have a picture of grace and, and how to deal with people when they're caught in sin. But what we have here, church, is a mirror. It's a mirror that we can hold up in front of ourselves and say, you know what, sometimes I look like that woman caught in sin. Sometimes I'm the one that's got it wrong. Sometimes I'm the one that's hiding in shame. Sometimes I'm the one that's embarrassed. But then other times we look in the mirror and we can see ourselves. We're the ones with the stones in our hands. Condemning, convicting, shaming people. And Jesus holds this story up as a mirror for us to look at ourselves and say, which one are you right now? If not right now, which one are you going to be in the future? Which one, how, how are you going to deal with life when you're in this situation? And here's what we find. In Jesus, we find the courage to do these two things. The courage to, first of all, confront our own shortcomings. To look at ourselves and say, I'm like her. And how did Jesus treat her? And we find the compassion to forgive and, deal, and how to deal with people in their own sins. So we, we find courage and compassion here in this story. And so maybe today you're one of those caught in the sin. And I want to encourage you as we jump into this next session to, to have the courage to say, all right, God, deal with my own sin. Or maybe you're one trying to figure out how to confront somebody and the way Jesus wants to. And I want to encourage you to have compassion that Jesus has. Now, how do we do that? How do we have this courage and compassion? The first thing I want you to get, write this in your brain, tattoo it in, tattoo, tattoo it in there. <laughs> That's a tattoo on your toe if you do that, if you didn't know, but... <laughs> What is it? Here's what it is. The first thing you have to get is that when we are the one that is accusing others or confronting someone, we need to understand this first thing. We have to drop your stone and lend a hand. Drop your stone and lend a hand. You're like, well, I've never picked up a stone, but I guess what you have. Remember this thing? Sticks and stones will never hurt me. You know, break my bone, but words will never hurt me. Yes, they do. Words hurt. Words will kill somebody, will put somebody to death. Listen, words, he says, but that's our stone. We come with somebody with conviction and, you know, or, or with, without compassion, and we beat them down without the intent to help them but to hurt them. This is what Jesus is saying here. 
And we need to drop the stones of condemnation and instead extend a helping hand and say, let me help you up from this situation. That's the heart of Jesus. Not to push people down, but to help them up. Not to condemn them, but to help them up. Now, the story, this is important because it's important to understand. This story does not tell us, it doesn't tell us we should not judge other people. Because here's what people would say. When Jesus called a woman in sin, he said he didn't condemn her. Did you read the rest of the sentence too? Here's what it say, church. Now leave your life of sin. Now this does not say we, are not, we, are, we should go around saying, oh, Jesus doesn't judge you and neither do I. Because if you know your Bible, Jesus actually calls us to call out sin. And if you go through the New Testament, you'll see this. It says, if you have any sense, you know how to judge between right and wrong behavior. You're able to look at a tree and say, good fruit, bad fruit. You're able to look at somebody and say, good leader, bad leader. You're able to look and say, this is right and this is wrong. See, the story doesn't tell us we shouldn't judge others. But the key is the manner and the spirit in which the judgment or the confrontation is done. They came trying to accuse her and catch Jesus. But if they come with the right heart saying, let me, hey, you're caught in sin? Yes, let me help you up. What's the heart behind it? If you read through the New Testament... Once the church got functioning and started, they, they had a lot of different people coming in, a lot of different teachings going on. And Paul spent most of the New Testament just writing letters confronting sin in church, calling it out. He didn't say, oh, you guys can just do what you want. You're covered by grace. That would be quite of a short book, wouldn't it? <laughs> do whatever you want. You're covered by grace. Don't let it offend you. But he didn't. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 5, we see there's this guy who's sleeping with his father's wife. Right? And Paul says, what are you guys thinking? He says, why are you allowing this to happen? He says, a little bit of yeast impacts the whole bit of dough. He says, you need to deal with this. And he says, listen, confront him. And if he doesn't change, kick him out. Now, that doesn't sound like, you know, that sounds a lot different from what churches do today and people, how we handle sin today. He says, confront him. If he doesn't change, kick him out. And he goes on another place to say, if you confront somebody and they don't change and they call themselves a brother in Christ. Now, you treat people outside the church different than you treat people inside the church. He said, but if they call themselves a brother in Christ and you confront them and they don't change their sin, listen to what he says. Don't even eat with a person like that. He says that. Why? Because sin is serious in the body. We're to be holy and righteous. And when we understand what real grace is, it doesn't say you have a license to sin. It changes us. So this is Jesus. Don't read into this story saying Jesus doesn't condemn sin. Matter of fact, he tells her to change her life. It all comes down to how you approach people and your, your heart behind it. So let me give you a few things you can do to make sure you're doing confrontation, which we should if we love people. Every parent here, right? Every parent here knows if you love your children, you discipline them. I grew up in the age where I still got, when I was a kid, I got whipped with a belt. Anybody else? I mean, I got it, and I remember my dad saying this, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And I'm like, would you, come on, get her, you switch it up. That's what's in my head. Yeah, let's see about that. But then when I became a dad and I had to discipline my kids, I'm like, this, now I know what my dad was saying, right? Because if you love somebody, you really love them and discipline them. 
That's what the church does. But how do we do that without coming off as literally as a hypocrite, judgmental in the wrong way? First thing you do, look at this. Here's some practical steps. First thing, this. um, I think we have it up here. Do some self-examination. Before you approach someone, do this. Look within. Look within and take a short look at your own life and say, oh, wow, I've got my own stuff too. I've got my stuff. Before you go, you go to God first and say, Lord, examine my heart. What's in me? And God says, see that big old plank sticking out of your eye? You need to deal with that first before you go to your brother who's got the little speck. Do some self-examination. That's the first thing before we go to anybody. Don't go to anybody without getting right and honest before the Lord first. Second thing, assess your motive. Why are you doing this? It's because maybe they've got a righteous, like a righteous, self-righteous attitude and you're going to humble them and bring them down a little bit. Just, I'm going to bring them down to my level and I'm going to make them like me or maybe you, you just... You want to embarrass them. Maybe they've embarrassed you. Whatever. What's the reason? Maybe they have hurt you because of their actions, and now you're going not with to help and lend a hand, but to hurt them too and bring them down. Assess your motives. Third, approach with humility. That's where you come, and you recognize your own imperfections. This when you walked in the church this morning, I love that on the front door, we have the perfect church for people who aren't. So everybody walks in remembering we're all a broken mess. And there's one hero in this church, and it isn't me, it isn't anybody on the worshiping team, it isn't any of the elders, his name is Jesus Christ, and he's the only perfect one. So we come with humility, and we're saying, hey, if there had been TikTok in my day, I'd probably be sitting on that couch. Fourth, we extend Grace. Offer the individual an understanding and compassionate ear. Not condemning, but compassion. Imagine this whole scenario with Jesus if the people had come and with the right motive and she's caught in her sin and come to hear her story and then share the message of Jesus' love and grace. You know, grace is it's what God gives you just because you, that he gives you just because he wants to, not because you earn it or deserve it. And he's saying, this is how you come to somebody. You show them favor and love and compassion, not because they deserve it, but they deserve something else. But you give them what they don't deserve, and they're like, I cannot believe it. Fifth, you offer support. Offer practical ways to support the individual. The thing I love, Jason and Katie, we're starting this new addiction ministry. November 5th, kicking this thing off with a bunch of church leaders here. You know what that's about? It's about saying, hey, you're at a low point. Here's some help. Here's some help. Here's the love and grace of Jesus Christ. And we're not just saying change your life. Here's a group that's going to walk along beside you. Going to walk with you through this. That's what it means to offer love and support. This past week, I was sitting on the beach with my family on vacation. I just telling my brother-in-law who was there, he was talking about ministry, and he said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, I've got to be ready at any time just to counsel people because you never know when the phone's going to ring." Thirty seconds later, the phone rings, and it's a guy that I've not talked to in fifteen years. Lives on the literally on the other side of the country, and. Uh, He's got, made some bad choices, gotten mistakes, gotten some, involved in some, some drugs and some other things. And looks like he's going to have to do some jail time. And his life is, he's just like, my life's over. 
he was moments away from committing suicide. And I sat there and talked to them on the beach while everybody's out doing their thing and playing. I just sat there and talked with him and said, hey, man, you're going to be all right. Your life's not over. God's got a future for you. I mean, he just walked with him through that and, and, and saying, hey, listen, I'm here for you. If I, you know, I can't get to where you are, but listen, my phone, you've got my number. You call me, you text me. I'm here for you. And he's been calling and texting back and forth. Listen, offering him help. Let me help you through this instead of saying, well, you shouldn't have made that dumb decision because that's what some of us want to do, right? We want to say, well, you dummy, don't you know why you got this situation? <laughs> instead of saying, man, God's still got a plan for you. Helping him up. Sixth, be prepared for any outcome. Just because you go to somebody with the right motive and a humble spirit and you do all the things right and you're prayed up and you go, and guess what? 99% of the time, they're not going to go, thank you for coming to me. You ever had that happen? Thank you. Oh, I see you care about me so much. What are they going to say? Why are you? They're going to point fingers. They're going to get yell back at you. Who are you to tell me? Jesus said, don't judge anybody. And they just kind of pick their scriptures they want, right? And they're going to say all of these things. They're not going to, like, you, you're misreading the situation, and I didn't do that. That's what you're going to get most of the time. But be there for them when they're ready to make a change. But do this. Set boundaries to protect yourself. Have very clear boundaries. Years ago, at another church that I worked at, we had a, Dana and I had a very close friend who was on staff, who was helping with our middle school ministry, and I was responsible for her. And, and we went to, I had noticed some behavior, and she was 20 years older than me, and, and she was in charge of our middle school students, and she had a lot of great college students working with her. And, and I went and noticed, Dana had noticed some behavior that she had with this one one young man. And I and then we talked about it and I felt we felt very compelled that we need to go head this off because it's heading in a bad direction. So I called her in my office one day, we sat down and I told her my concerns, I see what's going, it's not right. You've got a husband, you've got kids, you're headed towards danger. She didn't go, thank you, Randall. Oh, no, I got fingers pointed at me. You're t- you know, all this stuff coming back. And within two months, she left her husband and moved in with this 20-year-old guy. Ruined her marriage, or, you know, all this stuff. Ruined her testimony in the community. We still tried to love her, help her. She didn't want anything to do with us. When you're living in darkness, you don't want anything to do with light. You try to love people, they're just like, you're, you're just, you're light, you're exposing stuff until the light comes on inside them. About 10 years later, I get a letter in the mail from her from her saying, thank you for the way you handled that. God has brought me out of that. I'm doing well now. And uh, thank you for the way you and Dana loved me through that. That's what we want. We want to see people come, but we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We confront them and the outcome is up to the Lord. But we do our job of confronting and lending a hand. Maybe you're in that situation right now. You need to do that with somebody. Maybe you're bringing stones instead of a hand. Let's change it up. Have the compassion to do it Jesus' way. But maybe you're the, looking in the mirror and you are the woman right now, caught in sin. 
What do we learn from this? Here's what, we, here's what we learn from this, is that we need to embrace grace that God offers. Embrace the grace, and listen, and I know this is corny, but you'll remember it. Embrace the grace and change your pace. You're doing your own thing, and God shows up, and, and you get caught in your sin. Instead of saying, okay, thank you, I'm just going to keep doing what I was doing. No, you change your pace. You go a different way. That's what Jesus said. He said, I don't condemn you either. Here's, here's grace. Now go change your pace. Change it up. See, grace is not a ticket to continue sinning, but a transformative power that changes lives. It's not a ticket to keep sinning, and that's what some people would say. I can, I can live what I want and do what I want. I'm covered by grace. Listen, if you understand grace, it changes you. Titus 2, look what it says in Titus about grace. It says this, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to everyone. This is the grace, look. And it, grace, teaches us to say what, church? What's the word? No. To ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled lives, upright and godly lives in the present age. It's not a license to keep living how you want. I think one of the best stories, examples of how God wants us to respond comes from the Old Testament. We see the man after God's own heart. His name is David. We all heard of David. David and Goliath, man who's pursuing God and but in a moment of weakness, in a season when he should have been pursuing the Lord and leading, what does he do? He looks out over his balcony and sees a gorgeous woman bathing, and he says, have her come up here. So he works things out. She comes up, and he ends up sleeping with her, comes to find out. He thought he got away with it. Somebody, she comes back and says, uh, David, I'm pregnant. Right then, instead of doing the right thing, what does he do? He says, I got to cover this up. Her husband, Uriah, is off at war. It calls for him to come back. Uriah comes back from war, and David says, I need to get him drunk, so he goes home and sleeps with his wife. But he wouldn't leave David's door. He wanted to guard David, the man who slept with his wife, and he had no idea. He wanted to guard David's door. Even as a drunk man, he was a better man than David was sober. And what did when he wouldn't do it, David said, all right, have him sent to the front lines because he knew he'd be killed. He goes off to the front lines. He's killed. David goes and marries her, and he thinks he's got away with it. Till the prophet Nathan shows up. Nathan comes one day and stands before the king David, and who's killed, you know, thousands and ten thousands. He stands before him and says, David, let me tell you a story. There's this man who uh, has a bunch of sheep, and there's a man that had just one sheep, and the, the guy that had a bunch of sheep was having some guests over. Instead of taking his sheep, he goes down to the guy who had one sheep, and he takes his sheep, and he slaughters it, and he offers it to his guest. And David says, David gets irate, right? And he says, that man needs to be killed. Have him brought before me. And Nathan said, you're that man. And we see a picture of a guy confronted, and what happens? He's humbled. You want to see what he said and how he prayed? Look at Psalm 51. Let me just read it to you. Psalm 51 says this. Have mercy on, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
Look what he says. For I know my transgressions and my sins will always be before me against you, and this is important, and you only have I sinned. Listen, when you sin, you might hurt other people, but you sin against God. It's his holiness and his righteousness we offend. He says, I've done what is evil in your sight, so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. He says, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mom conceived me, yet you desire faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me with wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, I will be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. And then listen, this is what he says. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. When you're living in sin, like that woman or like David, you're just crushed. Just restore it. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. This is what God wants us to get to. When we repent, not just to say, thank you for the grace. He says, no, change my heart. Renew a steadfast spirit in with me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Look what he says. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He wants to give up. He's like, I'm at the pit. God, give me the help I need to even want to keep going. And look what he says. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Change my heart. Forgive me, God. Give me the ability to keep going and make me a witness for you. That's what he says. That's the right heart. What does that look like practically for us today? It's this. When we're going in sin, we find ourselves captured by sin, caught out, or even, listen, don't wait until you get caught. It's always worse. When we're in sin, and maybe now you're confronted by something going on in your life that you're afraid would be get out. Don't let it get out. Get Get right. First thing we do, what do we do? We admit our sin. Acknowledge your sin. Don't try to minimize it and call it, oh, it was just a bad decision. It was a bad moment. It's sin. David said, God, I've sinned against you. I've done what's wrong and evil. I've offended you and broke your law. Acknowledge it. Call it what it is. Seek, second thing, seek God's forgiveness. The scripture is clear in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So seek God's forgiveness. Ask him for forgiveness. Trusting that his grace is sufficient to cover you. Third, accept grace. The same grace that you're supposed to give others and show them. Extend that to yourself. Give yourself what you don't deserve and what you don't respect or don't deserve and haven't earned. That's from Jesus and just accept it and say, it's for me. Then fourth, change your actions. Change your pace, change your actions. Live differently. Begin to put some things in your life, some boundaries, some guidelines. Change the people you're with, the people you're listening to, what you're listening to that's impacting you in your life. Change your actions so that you end up on a different path. Have the courage to face your own shortcomings, your own sin. Have the courage right now. When you get caught, when you're living in sin and it's secret, but right now, have the courage and the, to do that. And then the compassion to forgive others and confront others.
the way Jesus wants you to. We can walk around with stones in our hands, condemning people, or we can be a conduit of grace that changes lives. You can walk around with condemnation on you constantly and shame and guilt, or you can experience the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ if you'll have the courage to confront the sin in yourself. Would you pray with me? Father, we come right now, we humbled by you because, Lord, I would, I'll be the first to say, <laughs> I can be a mess and I've been a mess and except by the grace of God, I'd have no hope. I'd have no peace. I'd have no forgiveness. I'd have no path to redemption. But thank you for the path to redemption that we're called in sin. We can come to you. We can admit it. Seek forgiveness. Accept grace and change. Right now, here's what I know, church. Here's, Lord, I know this, that there's people in here right now who are living in sin. Maybe they're talking with somebody that they shouldn't be having conversations with. They're doing something that if they found out, they'd lose their career, maybe their family over. In their private time, they're looking and doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And if it all came out, Lord, they would be embarrassed and shamed. But Lord, today is a day of new starts. Like that woman who found that Jesus helping her up, lending a hand. That's who you are today. Is that you today? Do you need to come humble yourself like David did? Admitting your sin, just seeking forgiveness, experiencing grace. If that's you, man, while we sing this song, you may not even want to get up and sing. You might just want to come forward and kneel down and pray. Or maybe you want to sit down in your seat and just pray and have a conversation with God. Maybe you're guilty of bringing stones and casting them at people. There might be somebody you need to go seek forgiveness for for the way you handled a situation. Maybe you know it, you got to confront somebody and you're like, Lord, help me to do this the right way. What's God saying to you right now? I'm going to be quiet for a moment. We've asked for ears to hear and eyes to see and all that. Say, now, Lord, speak to me. What do you want me to see and hear and do today? Ask him that. Father, thank you for your amazing grace. We come this morning seeking your grace. We need it every day. Thank you for the reality, the truth that shines light into the dark places of our heart so that we can see, change, and be set free. So we can be like what David said when he said, restore the joy of my salvation. We don't want to be walking around in guilt and shame. We want to know the joy of peace of following you, experiencing your grace. 
So we confess our sins, our imperfections, our, our sin against you and receive your grace. Now help us to have the compassion to extend that same grace to others. In Jesus' name we pray.